Good day. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal, and this is my monthly artist interview that I share on both CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal and also on Radio Hara in Palestine. On the program this month, I will feature an interview with author Tano Bilston about the work The Anatomist's Tale. This work weaves different historical storylines and also political histories. We go from England, where low-income people, peasants, are grappling with the privatization of common land, the commons, looking at the origins of territorial capitalism, so important for the frameworks of many points of injustice today on Earth. We go from that point to stories on ships, where people engaged in mutinies against unjust authoritarian realities on ships, pirates. We go to maroon communities, free areas in the Americas where enslaved people, uh, people who were living under indentured labor, indigenous peoples, uh, carved out space in between power structures on the land. This is a, a wonderful uh, work of historical fiction that I think speaks to some very important points to consider today. It looks at the possibilities for people to come together to create alternatives and is rooted in a historical understanding that there are many counterpoints to historical narratives of power that exclude these types of alternative uh, historical experiences that I think can provide very important counterpoints to uh, what we believe is possible today. So here is my conversation with Tauno uh, about his book. Um, and this was recorded in the Umbrella House Squat in New York City. This is a legalized building that was won through grassroots community struggle in the East Village of Manhattan. Uh, where people occupied abandoned buildings and demanded to have them legalized and passed on to those who lived in them. There was a number of buildings that were won in this context. Tauno was part of that whole process. So we recorded this interview about his fiction work in this context. So here's our exchange. I'm Tauno Bilstead. Um, the book is called The Anatomist Tale. It came out with uh, Lanternfish Press in 2020, um, and it's a historical fiction that looks at pirates during the golden age of piracy. Um, I was interested in looking at that period of time because I kind of see that as a time when like, a lot of the modern world as we know it was under formation, but not fully formed. So in some kind of way, it was this liminal space when, when, when a lot of, or a liminal period in history, when the dynamics around wage work, racism, international trade, slavery, you know, all these kinds of dynamics, gender relations, were kind of like under formation, but not fully formed. So I was like interested in probing and using this sort of background of like a very, you know, kind of like, you know, pirates are this popular cultural figure in a certain kind of way. And, and, and so like using that as, as a space to kind of explore different things. So it's kind of an exploratory space and a meditation in certain kinds of ways is like how I approached it. Obviously there's narrative, there's all kinds of characters and things happen. Um, and 
and so it's you know yeah those are the interests it's around sort of exploring the space but then also within a human space like within you know characters who relate to each other and it tells the story of you know well it's a told from the perspective of a narrator who kind of his own experience mirrors the experience the historical experience that was happening at the time uh it starts out with him in a uh you know a tenant farmer peasant family in england who are essentially broken up by enclosure which was the process of enclosing the commons um you know these common areas that became um that became privatized you know during during that period of time and that was actually the the spur to um you know wage work and industrialization that happened over the next like century or two um so that's kind of where it starts and then it sort of like follows uh his arc you know and then also as he observes the things that are happening around him um you know the other thing of like looking at the screen of or looking yeah looking at the screen of pirates or using pirates or piracy as a subject matter to kind of like look at um it has some personal like um i have a personal interest because in my own personal background i'm like a have have lived in like squatted spaces uh in new york city you know and and that was a really like big thing for me since i since i was a young adult i've been in i still am in a you know i'm in a legalized squat now uh but i started when i was like 18 19 living in punk rock squats and stuff like that around which in a way was kind of this piracy it was like kind of taking and forming and creating a social formation that was kind of outside of society and like figuring out so 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 a little bit in my head that's that that was like kind of I think the imaginative kind of source or background you know but the other thing about pirates that's interesting to kind of think about a little bit is the 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 role the space that they fill in popular culture pirates pirate captains um these kind of like brutal you know, fellows who kind of, you know, boss everybody around and, you know, walk the plank and all this kind of stuff. In fact, it's a it's a perversion of what piracy was. Piracy was like a, in, in ways an early example of workplace democracy. It was workers taking over the means of production and actually most pirate ventures were quite egalitarian. So they were actually uh, formed around um, democratic principles, although they weren't, it wasn't like that they had ideology, that was just practical. You know, it was like, oh, here we are, we're doing this thing together um, and we gotta do it fair, you know, cause it's the only really way this is gonna work. Um, so I don't know, I kind of like wandered around your question a little bit, but that's kind of like the the background. You were kind of asking about the concerns that kind of went into um, the writing the book and stuff, and that, that's a little bit of the background or in the, the ambient um, stuff that's around it for me. Activation of history mm-hmm. uh, and thinking about how um, often fictional works that have like a political orientation in the sense of trying to tell a story that sort of decodes systems mm-hmm. um which you know as as you outlined you're doing in this work mm-hmm. um requires this idea that th- there's a, a an observation of like historical patterns with your eyes wide open mm-hmm. right sometimes there's a disconnect with the present when that process is happening mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of research, in terms of writing, even mm-hmm. even like fictional writing or, or other mediums, film, to the present, mm-hmm. right? And this idea that um, there can be a coexistence between having your eyes wide open in the present and being part of processes now, like we're sitting in a, a squatted, legalized squat in East Village, Alphabet City, Manhattan, that was part of like a social movement here mm-hmm. to 
challenge conceptions of what property should be and how it should be run, etc. That tension between thinking about the present and the past and having an equal amount of capacity to see those mm -hmm. systems as they unfold. Mm -hmm. There's a critique in what I'm saying in that sometimes historical work can be, people creating historical work may, maybe can be less engaged with the present, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's also a big time that's required to think about the past. So any, any thoughts about that? Hmm. I, you know, as you were kind of like asking the question, I was thinking about there's a there's a certain point. So, you know, the book, there's tons of historical research that goes into the book, probably more than is required. Like partly it's like my own, you know what I mean? Curiosity and interest, you know, so that that's like part of it is like I'm just like, oh, wow, I'm really okay. interested in this and like digging into this. Yeah. So one of the things at a certain point, you know, in thinking about shipboard environments and the kind of pressures okay. that people were under, um, I was reading stuff about total institutions, which, which was from, from, from current or contemporary, um, um, you know, historical research, well, not historical research, but present research about sort of what happens to people in prisons, in, in, in situations where there's like complete control, right? And, and the ship, you know, especially the merchant ship, uh, organized in a hierarchical way uh, through you know, power that was available, you know, at the time. And that also are sort of outside of the sphere of any kind of land-based justice, you know, uh, um, and sort of what happened and sort of how much the ship was a total institution at the time. Mm. But some of the stuff that I was reading to kind of reflect on that or think about it was from contemporary research into total institutions today. So, so I think that there is a way that the present, I don't know, there not, not, not to, within the, I guess I would assert that within the, the, the vast differences of, of human experience over time and the, and the wonderful, you know, like palette and array and like there's so many things that are um, so different, you know what I mean, between human societies across history and across time. There are also some dynamics that there are some currents that run through that we can kind of look at. So I think that the, the past is in the present and the present is in the past mm -hmm. and the and both are involved in the future i'm getting delusion here but the, you know there is this kind of like the the dna of the past is in the present sure, and the dna of the present will be in the future and and you know and also uh, we have some role in shaping it you know so it's not all determinate the question of agency mm -hmm. right and 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 how the narrative carries those questions maybe can you highlight one example for somebody who let's get to the book mm -hmm. a bit like mm -hmm. for somebody who'd be interested in engaging with your work maybe just uh, an exciting example in the book where that question of like agency and shaping of autonomous democracy, whether mm -hmm. it's a question of like sort of the points you brought up earlier of like the idea that systems are always in flux mm -hmm. and that like power is not stagnant in the sense that it's always changing and adapting to challenges mm -hmm. like uh, happens on the ship. So maybe could you mm -hmm. think of one example that could talk to that and for somebody who's interested in reading the book that could maybe push them in that. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things, so, you know, the book follows this kind of like pirate venture, you know, at the end of the, the golden age of piracy. And, you know, the classic story of, of you know, un, unsupportable conditions, you know, on the ship imposed by a captain, a sort of uprising, um, and then, you know, a decision to go pirate because the, you know, essentially the sailors, you know, commit a mutiny to save themselves, 
uh, and then they realize that it, even in the course of a trial, if they were to turn themselves in, they'll 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 most of them will die in prison just waiting for for a trial or justice. So they're kind of like, well, this is the only choice. Um, and you know, they go through you know a series of things that you know invite people to like read the book to to sort of discover, and there's all kinds of stuff that sort of comes up, and they end up in this imagined space, which is kind of like a, a which is in the book is called New Madagascar, based which is named after a dream of another space, which was Madagascar. And in this space, uh, you know, it's this, it's this maroon community um, that's made up of maroons um, who are escaped slaves, um, both from the English and the Spanish spheres, uh, indigenous folks and, you know, pirates and other white folks who kind of end up there. Um, and interestingly, so I sort of like crafted this imaginative space based on one chapter of a of a of a book called um, maroon societies i think which is a classic book by richard price um and it the the chapter was written by there's there's a little sliver in the chapter where the chapter is about maroons in the united states and there's a sliver that talks about um the great dismal swamp so so talking about the great dismal swamp which was this area uh, between virginia north carolina south carolina in the united states so i kind of took this little hint and sort of created imagine the society. I put it somewhere else. I put it kind of in Central America in, in the book. Well, subsequent to that, to my reading of that and sort of my sort of imagining of that, I got exposed to a bunch of different um, research about the Great Dismal Swamp. And, you know, what I initially discovered as like a little sliver of an example, maybe, and imagined as this possible space, new research has showed the incredible um, role that the Great Dismal Swamp played as a maroon space for hundreds of years so it was a it was a space where people escaped to from slavery and indenture so it was like you know black folks who were in slavery who escaped from there and set up communities uh it was also white folks who were unhappy with their circumstance who might have been indentured and it was the descendants of the tuscarora Conf uh, the indians who were like a iroquois group who were in the south who eventually actually ended up migrating up to the iroquois confederacy area um up in the up in the north like like up by up by you up in montreal um so so anyways this this and so this was this space where people shared space. They had all these kinds of influences, yeah. you know, from like magical traditions, yeah. you know, African traditions, Quaker traditions, mm -hmm. Tuscarora. They had to share space mm -hmm. um, in all kinds of ways and had to figure out ways. And they also seeded resistance all over the area. So there was all kinds of conspiracies and plots that were hatched and, 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 and whatever that sort of came out of that space. So, so you were asking about agency. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there's, there's other examples of, of, of individual agency also in the book. There's a little loop of a story where one of the characters asks another character when he first, another character who's, who was enslaved in his childhood, um, when he kind of first heard about maroons. Um, and and escape slaves, and he tells the story not of a community, but an, an individual um, who who simply, in the course of his life, um, reached a point where he no longer wanted to be in bondage, um, and you know escaped into the forest, and you know things things happen. But that was another thing. So it's like marinage or this this escaping um, was communities. You know, it was communities who. Uh, went into you know sometimes extremely harsh areas and try to build a way to live away from the society that was like uh, attacking them or oppressing them, uh, but it was also individuals who might escape for the day 
or permanently in some kind of way who simply just said, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, um, so those are, yeah, so those are some examples or like ways that, that, that your question kind of like uh, makes me think about agency and, and ways I reflect on it in the book. The idea that power is also never permanent uh, in the sense that um, if you're thinking about like either the narratives of the maroon experience uh, or narratives around rebellion on a, on a ship context and piracy, um, there's this push that often happens around thinking that um, power is impermeable and like there is total control which is interesting when you're talking about total control earlier mm -hmm. i was like thinking about it i was like well even in a prison people carve out space mm -hmm. right um but i think that still even within like liberal progressive narratives mm -hmm. this idea of the absolute um legitimacy of the state apparatus being questioned mm -hmm. is uh, a challenging idea mm -hmm. and maybe even just conceptually people haven't gone there. It's mm -hmm. not even maybe super intentional, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so can you can you maybe just think, uh, reflect a bit about how through narrative mm -hmm. you wanted to address that point of like people's capacity mm -hmm. to create space outside of the structures of given definitions of what should be, how power should be um, administered and how society should be run. Mm -hmm. That feels like such a big question, a big question. <laughs> and, it, and no, no, it's okay. It's like good. And it's a, it's a good question. You know, there's a way that like, I really feel like this current historical period that we're in, like one of the things that is most shocking or surprising is the way that it feels so total. It feels so complete. It feels like it just fills up all the space. The system that we live in fills up all the space. And it feels like that most of the time. Um, and at the same time, there's all these ruptures, yeah. there's all these things. One of the things I realized, so I was in, I was in New York during Sandy um, when there was the hurricane. Um, and I, you know, so I live in the East Village, Lower East Side of Manhattan. And I was really surprised at the extent to which, so we had no power down here below 14th Street. So there was this flood, came in, historic flood. It blew out the power station. There was no power below 14th Street. And there was the lack of state sort of outreach. And, and, and you know, there was, no, there was no vans going around saying, oh, do you need blankets? You sure. know, go to the church. Do you need batteries for sure. your flashlights? Nothing. And this is, this is in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. This is... This is like the, the not this particular neighborhood, sure. but this city is like the center of capital. Not to mention the Rockaways, which is kind of like a, an abandoned, you know, neighborhood in, 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 you know, it's like it's like a part of the city that doesn't really get attention. The Rockaways was also destroyed. In the Rockaways, uh, it, it was folks, you know, th this happened maybe a year or two after Occupy. Occupy Rockaway. So folks that had been involved with Occupy really organized and were out in the Rockaways very quickly and you know the red cross was coming in and asking the occupy people where the old ladies were and where to go you know for this kind of thing but i was surprised even i who's like i'm super critical you know in a lot of ways i was like oh total power is not total 
either that or the capacity is not there or the interest is not there. But in some kind of way, it doesn't, it doesn't, the state didn't have an interest in projecting control mm. and authority. And it sort of just reveals like there's all these kind of cracks, but maybe even sometimes we don't see them. Mm. I think that like on the surface, it's impermeable. It goes sure. on forever. Yeah. It'll never end. And, you know, maybe it's disasters. Uh, maybe it's other moments. Maybe it's moments of rebellion or resistance. There's also, like, incredible surprises, you know, in terms of that when people sort of rise up. Um, and maybe there's other ways that, that those cracks and fissures um, can get opened. And I, I you know, I, I guess I... I, I wish for us, you know, to kind of like spend more time opening cracks, you know, and sort of focusing on that because it's uh, the illusion of permanence is very strong and, and, you know, yeah, figuring out ways to disrupt that magic. And that's a little bit what I try to do yeah. in a narrative form, you know, it's yeah. like exploring things, hopefully with stories and words, you know, I, I, I uh, when I remember books, a lot of times it's the feeling that I remember more than like the things that were said or even the things that happened. And if I had some ambition, you know, with this book and other sort of projects, it, it would be to kind of curry a little bit of that feeling mm -hmm. inside the person of possibilities, of mm -hmm. possibilities for ruptures, for difference, for different relationships and, you know, different ways of being in community with each other. Do you want to highlight a point within the book that speaks to that? Um. Yeah, I guess that is there a particular point in the book that speaks to that? I think that the human relations. Okay, I have to like you, you caught me out, Stefan. <laughs> is there well, well, do you, let's let's say about the maroon example, right, exactly. the story yes. of the yes. maroon yes. uh, you know, basically the capacity there to like exist outside of power. Yes. Yeah. I've been, I've been, um, yeah, okay. So I mean, in focusing on maroons, and really in focusing on pirates as well, in some kind of way, um, you know, there was, you know, at the time. Okay, so going back, total institutions, and and maybe some of the uh, uh, um, parallels between sort of maroons and piracy, um, and these kind of like pirate ventures, because they were both total institutions in a way. Obviously, um, the impulses uh, around plantation slavery, the 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 what people you know people who were who were the owners of slaves um you know the only way that they could dominate people was by dominating them completely and they that was something that they absolutely did there was they, they there was classes and workshops in 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 dehumanization uh there was there was people who went around and spoke to other plantation owners about how to dehumanize um on ships the captain, you know, the authority, the ways that authority were arranged were also total. They had, they could execute people if they needed to. They could put them into the the brigs, and 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 there was this sort of impulse towards domination um, that was complete. And in both of those instances, people resisted in all kinds of ways. They resisted by shirking. Uh, they resisted by uh, loving each other in ways that they weren't supposed to. Um, they resisted by, you know, so there's all these like minute forms of resistance too, like micro resistances um, that happen. And that, you know, it's like, and, you know, we can only speculate at the spaces that opened up inside of people at a moment of like, mm. well, I didn't do the thing 
that I was supposed to, or I felt free for that minute, or mm-hmm. I, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's, I mean, I think, I hope mm-hmm. that you and, and mm-hmm. I, and like everybody who listens has some like glimmer of that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, um, of like possibility, you know, in our own lives. Um, uh, so that, you know, sort of, sort of like focusing on, on the glimmer and those glimmers of experience and of, of like mm-hmm. personal and collective freedom that kind of can come even in those like extremely oppressive and and totalizing um situations i saw something recently it was even something that a friend of mine posted um because partly i'm also in 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 sort of i have a background in social work as well and and have some i'm also in some like therapy and and kind of coaching spaces just personally and professionally um and somebody i know posted something about you know trauma and all the focus on trauma you know and which is you know focusing on trauma and traumatic experiences is really important uh trauma and triggers you know so so this focus on trauma and triggers and and what that just little post was like oh also about like let's pay attention to the glimmers you know so we pay attention to triggers to the things that that might trigger our our trauma experiences um um but to also also pay attention to glimmers to the things that 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 provoke spontaneous experiences of joy and connection um you know in our experience and and to cultivate and nurture that kind of space as well thanks for chatting today yeah that was an interview with tano bilston who is behind a really beautiful book the anatomist's tale that's out through lanternfish press i would encourage you to Uh, visit uh, uh, their website, lanternfishpress.com, and learn more about this work by Tauno and others. This has been my monthly artist interview. I'm Stefan Christoph. I share a conversation each month that looks at the intersections of art and activism uh, in different uh, contexts all around the world. And uh, it's been a pleasure to share this conversation I recorded in New York City uh, with you today. Uh, We broadcast these interviews on Radio Hara in Palestine for the first Friday of each month at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time and 5.30 p.m. in Palestine. Uh, That is streamed at RadioHara.net and also we broadcast in Montreal at CKUT 90.3 FM on the third Friday of each month at 11.30 a.m. You can find our archives at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you next month.